Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm here today with Jenny Petrucci, and she actually lives in Rome and reached out to me because she really wanted to share her story. Uh, welcome, Jenny, to the podcast. Thank just, you. Thanks a lot, Jennifer. I am so excited to have you here. Now, we just we had a full on conversation before <laughs> we really got into the podcast, um, um, but I was recording. So possibly some of those sound bites will make it into the final cut. But, you know, you have a two year old son and you are currently pregnant with your second yes. uh, due in February. Yes. And so everything that we're going to talk about today or everything you're going to share with us today is all things that are, are pretty recent. I know we're going to touch on a couple different things. Um, IVF, um, yeah. disordered eating, um, being an older, you know, an older mom, being a career woman and, and really having struggles with, um, losing our identity, which so many women have when they become pregnant mm -hmm. and become a mom. And it's something that really isn't talked about in books. I think we still really focus on the, Oh, you're going to love being a mom. Like yeah. everything's so great. You know, it's, you know, and, and it, it's not always that way. And so I'm looking forward to you sharing these different parts of your story with us. Um, cause I know it's going to help a lot of other moms out there that are listening to this because everything that you have gone through really are the pinpoint things that a lot of moms don't talk about yeah. um, because they're ashamed or they feel guilty about those things. Yes. And I know that this is the first time you've publicly spoken yes. <laughs> about your experiences and only two good friends have heard this story. So yes. husband, your mother, they don't know. And so no. this is a big step for you. I, I really hope that this allows some healing for you too. Um, it, it can be very, I think um, so. mm -hmm. can be very therapeutic. So, all right, Jenny, I'm going to turn it over to you and you can start your story wherever you feel comfortable. Okay. So thank you very much, Jennifer. I'm really you know excited to be here, to be honest with you, because I think I'm, you know, maybe the first international, um, woman. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who belong, you know, participates in this great project. So um, I feel a lot of um, pressure. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, anyway, so I when I was 40 years old, I was diagnosed with infertility. And that's where my story starts, because I, I realized very late in life, because I met my husband quite late in life, that I wanted kids. But I, you know, I discovered I could not have kids. So I went through you know, a lot of testing and stuff. And then when my my doctor um, 
found out what the problem was, we started um, a process of IVF. So initially I did it in Italy in a public, uh, you know, the, the health system in Italy is public, so we don't pay, which is good and bad at the same time. Um, so I didn't pay the, the, for the first two tries, which did not, did not work, but that was not the problem, to be honest with you, it was the way I was treated. So my, I think my challenges as a mother start there because they were not empathetic at all. Uh, the fact that I was older um, wasn't, you know, a good experience either because I was treated as a, a very old mom, as someone who had no hope. Um, but they did not offer any kind of emotional support whatsoever. So I felt like a, I was, I was just, a, just an item, just an object, not really, not really a person. So it didn't work out. Then I met this fantastic doctor and she suggested I could try and go abroad. So we tried to go to Greece. The experience was completely different in the sense that I was treated as a human being there. Not so much compassion, I have to say, um, but still it was slightly different. So they took you know, better care of me. Still no emotional support, no psychological support whatsoever. Um, but I have to say that throughout this whole experience, I have um, I have a lot of years of therapy uh, in, in my life, <laughs> so I, I'm quite trained in terms of, you know, the tools I can use when I'm, when I'm in, this, in a difficult situation, and I think that helped a lot throughout my whole experience. So I got pregnant when I was 43, uh, and uh, I did not like it at all so I don't like being I didn't like being pregnant with my first child I don't like it now for different reasons so the the first one is that I I've always um uh struggled with food and I've always had eating I wouldn't call them eating disorders but disordered eating as I you know heard through one of your podcasts yeah. and I, lear I learned that expression um and that kind of disordered eating kind of um gets worse when I'm pregnant because I see my body explode and change. And at some point I feel hopeless and I just start eating and eating very badly. So it, as I was mentioning to you before, um, you know, we started the podcast, it was, a, it was a healthy pregnancy. So no problems at all in terms of medical problems. Um, I worked until uh, my eighth month and uh, yeah, and my body changing, I just, didn't like it but it was very hard for me to express it because in Italy motherhood is the best thing that can happen to you and being pregnant is just such a gift which it is I'm not saying it's not but it's it's not nice for everybody and it's not as pinky and rosy as a as a society wants us to think so I felt very alone in the way I, I was feeling because every try every every time I tried to express my how I really felt about my body and about being pregnant Everybody was like, well, you, you wanted it so much. How come mm -hmm. that you're feeling this way now? I mean, you shouldn't, I mean, you should be thankful. And you know, you're such, you're, you're such a lucky person, which I know I am, it's, but that doesn't change the fact that I, I just didn't like my body. And I thought the problem with the first pregnancy that luckily I don't have now is that now I know it's going to end. <laughs> Right. so now and now I know it's <laughs> because back then I had this feeling that I would be pregnant forever and my body would never go back the way it was you know it was before so that I would never look like I used to so that was a, a very difficult pregnancy and the uh, uh, the birth was also 
I wouldn't say difficult, but I had a kind of a phobia um, of giving birth. Um, um, I don't, I'm not very good with pain <laughs> in general. I don't deal well with it, physical pain. Uh, and I, I, my fear was of losing my control during the during the birth mm -hmm. so in Italy uh you have to well you have to you should you usually take a class like a prepartum kind of class mm -hmm. where they teach you <laughs> right how to give birth birth <laughs> um so you know I went to that course but it just uh increased my anxieties so I shouldn't have really taken that class and also when I was there actually after my my boy was um was born I thought that they tried to teach you you know how to give birth and how to breastfeed before the baby's born and and also when is the right time to go to the hospital all these you know things but what what we should really what we really need would be a, a, a class after the baby's born because then yeah. you're left alone and you know you don't know what to do anyways going back to the to giving birth so my I went into labor. It was very fast. So, and I got an um, epidural, I think mm -hmm. it's called. Yeah. yeah. So I got an epidural, which was nice because for two hours, you know, I didn't feel anything. But then when I started pushing, so it, it wasn't so bad, not as bad as I, as I imagined, you know, I could actually, I was very concentrated and I just wanted to, I, I just want, I didn't want to be pregnant anymore. So I, <laughs> I, just, mm -hmm. I just really wanted my baby to come out. And the, what happened was that he, my my boy, he got stuck with with one of his, of his ears, so he, he wouldn't come out. So after an hour and a half, I got an emergency C-section. Oh, okay. So that I think that was also because I was forty four by the time I was, you know, I gave birth. Um, I think I wouldn't call it a trauma because it I it wasn't a traumatic experience, but I think my body was just exhausted. Yeah. So I think the the postpartum um, depression started at the hospital because they were they've been very very good supporting me during the birth but not afterwards so I had a lot of problems with my breast um, now I don't know the technical word but my nipples are not are inside instead of outside mm -hmm. if you know yeah yes. um, so my baby wouldn't you just wouldn't um, right what well, latch, what a, yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. exactly and the nurses didn't really help a lot um and I started getting blood out of my breast immediately after 15 minutes I tried for two days but it was so painful and I was so exhausted and I was I wasn't sleeping and I was just crying all the time thinking what have I done what have I done yeah I can't do this that I decided I was not going to breastfeed uh at the hospital and they made me feel so guilty. Mm -hmm. They made me feel I was a failure as a mother already, just because I didn't want to breastfeed. And it's not that I didn't want it. I actually enjoyed it a lot, but it was just, I just couldn't cope with it. It was yeah. too much, too overwhelming. So that was the, that started, you know, I started off like that. I just felt I was a horrible mother. And I just from the start I, I, that I wasn't able to do it, that I was too old and I was you know, just not, you know, fit for the role. Right. And I, everything that I had ever, always imagined and things that people tell you about motherhood, none of that related to me. On top of that, I had never felt any bond with my kid when it was in my belly. 
and I don't as I don't feel with my with my daughter now I just don't have that um it took me I think a, a year to feel that bond with my son so I didn't really have a bond for a year and I thought he hated me <laughs> um on top of that he when we went home um from the hospital you know I was very I was sore it took me a month to mm-hmm. start doing everything back again and my child suffered from uh co- colic colic mm-hmm. yeah colic uh and reflux mm. so both of them so he would literally Jennifer cry for 10 hours a day like continuously mm-hmm. and then COVID happened so we were locked into oh, the house right. yeah yeah. Oh. So it, yeah, because he was born in uh, November uh, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. So you know, in March, in, was, in like three more months yeah. is when it. Yeah. Oh wow. And I was you know by myself with this kid crying ten hours a day. I just it was just I think the most horrible experience of my life. I was missing my job. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'm I'm a career woman. I've always loved working and you know I've always been very independent and um my job is part of my identity even though it it shouldn't be because you know (laughs) um but it is I'm a teacher and I I love teaching and I I just love studying and and you know and researching is that this is who I am so I was I felt like I my identity was lost and I I I just didn't want to be just a mother and uh, I wasn't happy being a mother. There was nothing I enjoyed because everything was so difficult. We weren't sleeping. The child was crying all the time. I didn't know what to do. And everybody was, this was also something very bad. Everybody was telling me what I should do as a mother. And I, you know, when I, whenever I tried to follow my instinct, that made me feel I was wrong. So that also helped to just, you know, lower my self-esteem. Right. As a mother, as a human being so the worst night of my life was um so my son was asleep um it was about I think 10 p.m and I was in bed next to him and I started thinking well I started googling ways of you know killing yourself so I started having suicidal thoughts and they that gave me such a relief just thinking that I could find a way to just end all that it went on for a couple of nights. Then I started worrying <laughs> about yeah. my my thoughts. I never I never thought about harming my my child, but I but I really wanted to end it for me. And I also thought that he would be happier without me as a mother. Um, so I reached out to my therapist, which, who is not though an expert on postpartum depression, I have to say. So I I've never been really diagnosed with that. And this is another side of the story. There is no support here in Italy about that. It's a taboo. Yeah. So nobody really, so she gave me some medicines, which helped a lot, I have to say. And yeah. also thanks to the fact that I, I had a lot of experience with therapy and I, you know, I have been into therapy for many years. I could, I could sort of help myself in a way. And I would also see her, obviously, um, once a week uh for, for for a while for a couple of months before you know I started feeling better but it took a long time um I I just remember I you know I felt it was the end of my life I felt I was gonna be unhappy for the rest of my life and then again I this this love that I should have felt I didn't feel and I felt guilty for that obviously and um and I just 
thought that he was happier with anybody else but me. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was just, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, going back to work helped me. I went back when my son was, I think, eight, eight months. Um, but still, you know, I still have some of the, you know, some repercussions, I would say, or some left leftovers from that. You know, I still don't feel confident as a mother. I still feel I don't just want to be a mother, uh, even though I'm pregnant again. But then, uh, but then there's a reason for that because I, I'm an only child and I've, it's horrible, I think, to be an only child and I didn't want him to be an only child. So it's, a, it's really an act of loss because as I said, I don't like being pregnant. Um, but also part of the story, which is you know what uh, contributed to making me feel the way I felt was that I, I felt completely isolated. As I was listening to the podcasts, I realized that in the, in, in the United States, you guys have a lot of peer support. You know, if it's not from the state or from the government, and I know that the, the health system is very expensive in, in, yeah. in, in America, but at least you have peer support, which we don't have here. I mean, I try, you, know, you have no idea how many times I tried to Google, you know, peer support for moms who suffer from, well, even right. just for moms, and this does nothing. I mean, I can't find anything. And in fact, I'm speaking to you and not to an Italian right. uh, group, group of women. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Right. Because I, I couldn't find anything that was sort of, you know, organized or systematic. Um, there's nothing. And every, every time I try to not tell this story, because I wouldn't, you know, go into the details, but talk about my postpartum postpartum syndrome people they just minimize it yeah <laughs> they just say well but it was yeah well a couple of months but that's you know that's baby blue it's it's normal right it, it's that's normal an, right it's normal it's not you know and and it's not at all no it's not normal whole, no and it, this whole other side of motherhood that nobody talks about that's also what's really painful for me because yeah. I know that they're out there um but they just wouldn't, they just wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. So now that I'm going to have another child, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just prepare myself. I know it, it can happen again. The medication helped a lot. So I think I've decided that if I start feeling the same way, I might ju not just not breastfeed. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask if you had made a decision about that or not. Um, I met with a, a midwife. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to see if we could do something about my breast and you know make it work a little better right and and there is something I can do to prepare but I'm not sure so I'll, I'll try I've decided I'm gonna try when I'm at the hospital it's gonna be another c-section obviously because right I get, you know the first one so that's gonna be a bit a bit difficult but I will try but if I see that either I feel the way I felt when I had my son or you know if if the the the, the blood you know happens again and the, yeah. I'm not gonna do it because it's yeah. I just I just can't I mean I, I've realized that my well-being and my mental health or my, my I think brain health someone said mm -hmm. in the brain podcast, health. Which, yes. I, which I really <laughs> liked yeah. brain health is important for my kid to be to be fine and happy mm -hmm. um something else and I'm not sure you know how this is also part of the American culture, but 
uh, once the baby's born, the mother disappears here. Yeah, that's... Yeah, we yeah just, that we're happens not there here anymore. Too. Yeah, it's just, you have to sacrifice, you know, your whole persona for the kid. And I'm not saying that I don't want to do it, but I wouldn't be a happy mother if I sacrifice everything I have for my kid. But this exactly. is what the society expects you to do. Yeah. So if you don't, you are judged. Judgment was also another problem. I think that that kind of boosted my depression because yeah. every you know I couldn't make a step without feeling feeling judged by the right. by my fa- even my family um, yeah. and 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 some friends and doctors. That was also right. um, um, yeah. So this is a this is my story in a nutshell. I'm not sure, you know. Yeah, it, you know, I'm curious to know um, the the dynamic. So you're an only child. Yeah. So what was the dynamic like with, well, see, now you're going through COVID too. I mean, was your mom <laughs> there or did you guys all stay isolated from even family at that point? So the first three months, my mother could come because COVID happened. I think the lockdown started in March. Okay. So for the first three months, she, she doesn't live in Rome. So she would come and go to help me out. But to be honest with you, that wasn't ideal either because she she tried her best and she's such a great support. Um, I couldn't have done it without her, but she has her own idea of motherhood that does, that does right. not relate to my idea at all. So that right. contributed to make me feel very insecure right. as a mother. Of course. Uh, and th- but then in March we were alone, so we've yeah. been alone for a few months. I have to say, once my son started uh, stopped crying because at some point he did when he was like five months old, or something um, everything changed. So I was still feeling, you know, depressed, and I had my the anxiety kicked at six p.m. every day. <laughs> that yeah. time of the day was very, very critical for me. It still is now, so I, I need to be very careful between six and eight um I think it's because I'm very tired and Mm -hmm. you know I've had you know enough of the day behind me but I still you know need to make dinner and put him to bed and you know tell him stories and I still feel I have so many duties to perform yeah and I think that's why um so that's a very critical time of the day for me even now yeah uh much less than before but but I, I do need support. So this time around, I'm going to just surround myself with professional help. Yeah. So I'm going to have a midwife come to my house for Good. the first two weeks just to help me with the routine. And the um, and then again, my psychologist alerted and, you know, she's going to be there, even though, again, it, it's also really hard to find a doctor who is um, um, an expert on postpartum yeah um depression just because again it's not recognized as a (laughs) yeah as a formal disease or you know as a right as As a special type of yeah of something that needs a certain type of person who's had you know education on what that is and and how to treat it yeah absolutely well you know I um so you're so you're pregnant your daughter's due in February yes um so I'm definitely going to be here as part of your support system, even though I'm in the States. <laughs> um, I was saying earlier Thank that I, I have a funny feeling there's going to be a part two to this podcast. I mean, I certainly want to follow up with you after the birth of your daughter and kind of just see 
if the experience was, is the same or different or, or what that even looks like. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to look because I don't know off the top of my head, but Postpartum Support International, um, they are international. So I'll have to look and see what connections we have, um, where you are to see if there's anybody that we can connect you with. Um, because I would love for you to have support over there too. I mean, it just, it's, I mean, it's so helpful, especially, I mean, it's going to be different now. This is so interesting. And I don't know if you heard this podcast or if I put it in, I think I did, but how, you know, moms who've already had a child say, well, I already know what to expect because I've been through this already, Mm -hmm. but you haven't been through it with having a toddler. And so that's what makes it so different too, is that now you're experiencing these things and you have two, you know, children to take care of, which ultimately makes it a very different experience. And so, you know, having that help is going to be good. I'm glad you have a midwife. I think that's wonderful. Um, Yeah. I also have a, um, I don't know what her professional title is, but she is, um, she helps with parenthood. She's a psychologist. Okay. okay. But she supports parents. Okay. Uh, in becoming parents, basically. Right. Well, that's and wonderful. She, yeah. So she's. Uh, we're gonna meet tomorrow for the first time, and okay. then until you know, until the the baby's born, and she she's gonna help me go through. Also, you know, these ideas that I have, this non-connection that I have, this fear of you know. Um, getting postpartum depression again maybe more severe because you know it's true that some things you know right I know about what the c-section is going to be like I know how but there are as you said you know so many unknown um, things and you know about having a second child and also uh, I'm in a different I'm, I'm older now and you know I'm in a different just stage of my life and yeah also um, working towards your PhD. So, yes. you know, just the yeah. normal things that everybody does at this age. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Good. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I think, um, I think being prepared for, for anything and everything, and it sounds like that's what you're doing is the best way to attack it. You know? Um, yeah. You talked about the guilt, um, that you felt in the hospital from not breastfeeding. Oh I had that, I had the exact same experience. Really? Um, exact. And so, um, you know, my, I had actually chose not to breastfeed even before, like, mm-hmm. I, like, I just didn't want to breastfeed. Um, I right. didn't want to be attached to a pump. I did not want, yeah. I wanted other people to be able to, you know, to feed her. And I didn't want to be like the sole provider of food. Like that was yes. way too much pressure for me. And so I remember, so my daughter came early, um, and mm-hmm. she ended up in the NICU for 10 days. And so my milk didn't come in for like two days after, but I had told them, like, I made it very clear to everybody because they always send in a lactation specialist and all that stuff. So I made it very clear, (laughs) do not need to send her or him or whoever it is, because I'm, I'm just, I'm choosing not to breastfeed. Um, And so I remember the first time I went to see my daughter in the NICU and the head nurse was like, where's your milk? And I'm like, I'm not (laughs) breastfeeding. They're like, what do you mean you're not breastfeeding? It's the best thing for your babies in the NICU. Like that's like the gold standard of food. Like that's what you should be doing. And I'm like, 
I don't want to. And she asked me every time I went in there to see my daughter where my milk was. And she knew I was, I don't know if she thought she was going to guilt me in to start pumping or what the deal was, but it was so, you know, and I was having intrusive thoughts at the time. So I already like had thoughts of hurting my baby while I was in the NICU. So the last thing I needed was somebody telling me, you know, I'm killing my baby anyway, because I'm not giving her breast milk. Like, you know, like you just, and, and so that empathy piece of it from the medical community, we still have a lot of that here in the Mm -hmm. state. They're just so desensitized, you know, this is what they do, but for the mom and the family who's experiencing it, it's their first time. And so, yeah, the empathy piece is sometimes not there. And that when you're already feeling like a failure because Mm -hmm. of whatever the reason may be, I can't breastfeed or I I couldn't labor. I had to have a C-section, you know, whatever it is makes it all so much worse. Um, and then disappearing being the disappearing mom, like once the baby's here, it is all about the baby. And now, even though I just had major surgery, C-section, you want me to get up and walk and I'm catheterized and there's like all these things going on with me, you know, it's still like, it's all about the baby. And it's even yeah. like that with family, right? So it's like, oh, where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Where's the baby? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but I'm right here, you know, and you know, it's, it's tough. And, but what I find paradoxical is that um, everybody says, oh, you know, being a mother, it will come natural to you. Oh, you know, it's yeah. all natural. But then yeah. when you say, well, can I just go against everybody's, you know, thought and just do follow my instinct that they don't trust you? You see what I'm saying? So on one hand, you're supposed to, you know, everything's supposed to come up naturally. And, you know, but then when you say, well, you know, even though nobody, nobody uh, agrees with what I'm doing, I want to do this because this is my right. instinct. Right. You're not being trusted. Right. So that's yeah. also, it's very frustrating. Frustrating. Yes. It's very frustrating. Yeah. And that's, that's, also, you know, I think that's part of the whole, of the whole problem. But, yeah. but, but then again, I think here is even more, there's, there's this, you know, myth about being a mother and about motherhood and um, this stigma that if you don't follow the rules um, and, and if you say that you're not happy just being a mother, everybody looks at you like you're a monster. Yeah. So yes. I could, you know, I could only share what happened to me with a few people because other, otherwise you're just, you're just being judged and yeah. They don't want to listen to this. Nobody right. wants to. Yeah, of course, of course not. Um, well, I'll tell you, I am so happy that you decided to share your story because I know that moms are going to listen to this and be like, okay, that's me. <laughs> like, that's exactly how I feel. Um, because it's not fun to pretend like everything is okay. That in itself is super exhausting. I remember doing that for months. Um, and it's exhausting and tiring and painful. And when you can't, you know, be feel and say the things that you want to say, knowing that you're going to be judged for it. So, um, well, I definitely think there's going to be a part two. I will certainly be in touch with you. I know we're a six hour difference, right? You're six hours yes. ahead of me. So I'll make sure when I reach out that I'm mindful of the time, um, but reach out well, and don't kind, worry. Of, I mean, yeah, and don't kind worry. of like <laughs> keep track. I want to like follow you through your pregnancy and, and you know, and kind of 
support you any way that I can. And I'm sure now when people hear this podcast, you're going to get more than just me. That's going to support you. You're going to get all (laughs) kinds of people that are going to want to reach out to you and support you through this. Um, but yeah, you know, you're not alone and I'm happy that the podcast episodes that you've listened to have been helpful because it's the whole reason why I started this because the conversations need to be told and people need to hear them because you're not the only one who, who feels that way. Um, so thank Thank you. you. No, thank you. You have no idea (laughs) how much better, you know, I've been feeling since I discovered your your website which i discovered just by googling because i you know i google what if i google the other the dark side of motherhood or something like that right and it came and then, and then your website <laughs> came out and i was like i can't believe this oh my goodness <laughs> yeah so well, I'm, um, so thank I'm you very so much glad. Jennifer. thank yeah. you so much i'm really so glad fun. that you found us well thank you so much for sharing your story we really appreciate it jenny you're welcome